Motasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Motasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Motasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Udang Damang Sangang Nasami We begin uh, these formal talks in this. This is a conventional way of beginning a dhamma talk. That is, someone uses his formula to request it, to request the talk. And the formula refers to is that is um, comes from the classical text, where this, uh, according to when the Buddha first began to teach or was inspired to teach. And, uh, you know, as I said, this Brahma, this deity, Sahampati, the kind of surveyor of all, realizing the, that this newly awakened being was uncertain whether people would be prepared to listen, manifested and said, there are those with a little dust in their eyes, please teach the Dhamma to those who can hear it. So this is his request. And then out of that request, then... Uh, is addressed and the speaker pays homage to the Buddha three times and then says homage, I pay my homage to the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha Buddhang Dhamma Sangha Namasami so it's really the sense of um, you know humility and respect and how things arise from the causes and conditions you know this would request their attention is there and uh, you know when it's speaking from a mind of goodwill you know just out of sympathy the conditions that are said to be necessary in order to give a talk as one should have a mind of goodwill one should not disparage oneself or others one should not pre-praising oneself one should not be seeking material gains so it's this real sense of these are the causes and conditions that arise that can make a Dhamma talk happen. Mm. So it's a respectful offering. And the theme of this is we're just really on guard against any self-stuff happening about being the one who knows or the great being or I'm going to tell you where it's at. Mm. This is inappropriate. And of course it does, uh, you know, keep reminding us one of the basic Dhamma teachings is of causes and conditions coming together to to bring around what we experience comes from causes and conditions such as consciousness, um, visual consciousness, mind consciousness, uh, objects to be aware of, attention to those objects, pondering, considering, um, you know, skillful factors, unskillful factors that cause things to arise. And some, you know, and the tendency is to keep identifying, I am doing this, or this is happening to me. These two 
two ways of experiencing things. Oh, this happens to me. You know, uh, I'm doing this. So the two fundamental forms. Uh, the, out of that, a third form gets imagined, this is myself, who exists. You know, so the me is, is an immediate experience. This happens to me. The I is an immediate experience, a response. And then this sense of self is a kind of notion that stretches it through time. I was this, I will be this, I am this, what will I be, how was I? The sense of self is a kind of notion that tries to, you know, that is this, solidifies this whole experience. And this is then, it's in this confusion that things get stuck. <laughs> As a group of dana, they get stuck. The immediacy gets stuck. Causes and conditions arising rather than some self to whom they happen, or some self who does things, or some self who is retained as an impression. So this is very much the way that our minds may consider it to be. And to ask the question, who is, who is hearing? Who is this? Who is this happening to? as a direct experience. You know, I guess my mind, or my, well, you didn't have ears, it wouldn't be happening, would it? So there's ear consciousness, mind consciousness, the ability to, uh, you know, uh, understand words, intelligence, reflection. There's a whole lot of factors coming together every time we listen to something and comprehend something. And you get directly and you can feel with that there's kind of various resonances of understanding, not understanding, feeling interested, feeling bored. All that goes on, doesn't it? That's me. <laughs> and it changes. The me changes. It changes from being, you know, receptive to being a bit sort of tired or whatever, you know. It changes. And the I is the one who acts, the agent. That changes too. Gets lethargic, gets interested, gets crazy, gets uh, compassionate. You know, various factors and intentions occur, arise, that come out. This is what I'm doing. I'm doing this because, you know, you start to like, who is doing it? And you find out, well, there's some kind of mental intention is doing it with various, supported by various uh, factors, causes, and conditions. Is it like that? Let's go and explore. Now something is sticking it, wants, wants to stick it together. Wants to form somebody. Wants to form somebody who knows what to do what will happen, how to make this thing work, how to get the best results for me so that I'll be better in the future. That's, that's a logical strategy from the point of view of self. It goes so far. It doesn't go that far in meditation practice, unfortunately. 
Or maybe just because this happens to be reality we're dealing with. <laughs> but in, in the so-called real world, it works to a certain degree. <laughs> you know, you know, we have to play it carefully to not get stuck in it. Because, of course, you know, when you, as the, the more solid it gets, the more solid that me, self, I am gets, the more stress is needed to keep it going. The more it has to keep planning and figuring and calculating, what if and what about that? And if that happens, what about that? What do I do about that? But on the other hand, I could be doing that. Would that be better for me or should I try some of that? Yeah. Will I be as good as she is? Well, mind you, mind you, he did that, he went funny. So perhaps I should try this, you know, this thing going on. And in that kind of clustering and that compounding of self, we lose the finesse of the mind is numbed. The, the skill, the acuity of, of awareness is numbed, is, is cramped. <coughs> so when we come on retreat, you know, this is you know, a chance we have to sort of let go of ourselves, if you're putting it crudely. We want to loosen up ourselves, loosen up a little, play with ourselves, contest ourselves, in question ourselves, explore. You know, what happened? You know, come out of the habit. You know, come out of the story. See, so find a place where you, it's not just another place to run your story. You know, of who you are now, you're not, and you are, and you could be, and what you've been, and da 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 da. It's a place essentially to perhaps look at the story. You know, do you want to keep this one going? Is it that good? Is that really that interesting? Is there ever an end to this story? You know, <laughs> this is kind of rambling tale told by an idiot going nowhere. And then that thing that wants to actually sort of somehow try and pull the situation into fitting my series of habits and, you know, what I like and don't like and lulling my concerns and so forth, fitting in with that, accommodating me. And naturally, so meditation, Dharma practice is actually quite uncomfortable. And uh, but, uh, so just bear that in mind. But it's not nothing's going wrong, really. It just it is uncomfortable. Um, hopefully, it's not you know white knuckled, teeth gritting uncomfortable. Sometimes it is actually. <laughs> but we're trying to aim for a level of you know moderate discomfort, like the stretching of a tendon. You know, oh, I think I can. Yeah, oh. You know, realizing you know that there are others who are doing this same thing, and uh, you know maybe there are people who've done it longer who look like they're pretty flexible and supple and are having a good time. They've come through some of that, so there's a result. You know. There are results there. The faculties are brighter. But it's not a self. So one of the you know say to these. When these, this thing comes up in the suttas, they see some 
you know, practitioner, bhikkhu, bhikkhuni, whatever. So your features are bright, your faculties are bright and clear, you know. Oh, the gentle deportment faculties are bright and clear. And they're living on bales of straw and camping out under trees and eating broken rice, you know. How come? Because actually coming out of the grip of self is so good that the rest of this stuff doesn't really matter that much, you know, amazingly enough, you know. That the physical comforts, the discomforts, yeah, they're not, they're not that bad. Coming out of the grip of self is it, so good that the rest of it kind of pales, the rest of um, this kind of thing pales into, into comparative manageable insignificance. We get sick, you know. We have disputes, we get tangled up in things, but just realize all this is just causes and conditions coming on. It's not an intellectual kind of understanding. You can summarize it. Getting to, to really feel that in the heart. Yeah. Mm. This is what's um, commonly called vipassana, insight, is beginning to, to really see the non-singularity, so the multiplicity, the conditioned arising, the dependent arising, the comings together at any given moment of factors and conditions, such as the physical factors and the mental factors, keeping it simply, you know. It can be very complex, depending how fine you want to look at it. But you can say, well, in order to be seeing something, there has to be an eye, an eye consciousness, and an object to see. Okay, that's three things, isn't it? Which one of them is myself? If it's the eye, what happens if you haven't got any eyes? Well, there'd still be a sense. There'd still be self somewhere else, wouldn't there? <coughs> Is it the ability to see, the propensity of seeing? Is that what I really am? Well, <clears throat> that's the case you'd be seeing constantly. You know? And you control it, but actually you can't control it. You open your eyes, and they're functioning, you can't help but see. It's not dependent upon some, some decision, <laughs> often to open the eyes. Who does it happen to? Who does seeing happen to? Well, me. Well, you know, it doesn't. It happens to a conscious process which registers perceptions, feelings, impressions. Is resonated. You know, all this stuff starts happening. Stuff happens. Stuff happens. When we, in the sense of the me is really stuff happening. The sense of the I is stuff happening, and the sense of self is stuff happening. <coughs> And of all these three bases, the most uh, uh, difficult, pernicious one and is, is the sense of self. Because, yeah, there is definitely this is happening. You could say, loosely speaking, it's happening here. And from here, something's going to act. But then when you get this th- theoretical being stretched through time, this is a really curious one to operate. Because it says, what, what will you be doing tomorrow? And you go, tomorrow? How do I know? You know, what's going to be arising tomorrow? <laughs> Hasn't happened yet. 
And they say, no, 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 don't give me that high Dhamma talk. Like, what are you going to be doing tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> so you can come up with something like, well, I'll probably, get, you know, get up and, you know, sometime a day eat something and go to work or something. But this is very loose, isn't it? Because you know, really you don't know. You might die in the night. You might slip over and sprain your ankle. Um, there might be a phone call that says you're doing something else. Uh, tomorrow you've got to do something else, change the scene. So you can't really say to be truthful. You can say, I intend. Now I'm intending that tomorrow I will, this is going to happen, but it might not happen. But there's a lot hanging on that sense of uh, <coughs> self, you know, strategizing. <coughs> So, and then you say, well, you know, well, who have you been in the past? You might not know tomorrow, but surely you know the past. What have you been, who are you? Well, you know, I actually couldn't really tell you, actually. Because <laughs> now it's a memory. And I only remember so much of it. Somebody says, what are you doing on, you know, July the, the 18th, 1972? I'd go, uh... <laughs> I was probably breathing in and out. You know, that'd be the safest reply, wouldn't it? <laughs> so, fortunately, I mean, most of my life I don't remember at all. I remember... You know, bits of it I remember, you know, they're kind of fading. And I can't necessarily place dates on them. So does it mean I wasn't anybody? I've never existed? Is it, or is it just the fact that the past is a continual shifting and, sh- and changing cloud, mirage? And the bits that stay there, generally the bits that <laughs> hurt the most. <laughs> but I want to say I'm not a perpetual pain, you know. But... <laughs> still have a very regret about that or something or the other. But then that's not a permanent self, is it? So these little pieces that you do remember are what? You know, joys, sorrows, pain, significant moments, happy days, da-da-da, breakups. And these little bits. Is that somebody? Or is that just an event? You know, is it just events? Remembered now, and if you try and, you know, check in with somebody else, they say, no, I don't think so. I think, surely didn't we go there? I remember I had this conversation with a, a friend of mine. There were three of us in this room, and we, all we could agree upon, we'd all been in this town in France, Nice. And then one guy said, no, you were wearing those clothes. He said, no, I wasn't. I was doing this. And we couldn't get a single agreement on what actually happened, apart from we'd been there. Yeah. But two of us would agree on one point and the third one wouldn't. We just couldn't place it, what actually happened, apart from it had passed. So it's, uh, then when we are, you know, we can find this regret, I am, this kind of feeling of I have not been, you know, I wasn't very good or I haven't been good enough or things have been, you know, this, these traces linger. Life's been funny, been changed, perhaps I've wasted my life. Regret. 
I should have done this. Or, or it's past, there's a nostalgia for it. And that's what remains, is it? You know, it's called the karmic traces. So somehow in that I'm feeling now not so confident. So I feel a bit anxious about the future, what I'll be, what I can do. But for really recognizing the past as a memory, the future is what hasn't happened. And this tendency to want to name it, label it, photograph it, store it, rehash it, and then plan it, strategize it, fix it, prepare for it, in the stress involved in that. And the Buddha was very clear that his teaching wasn't really about anything fundamentally other than how to how to stop suffering, how to stop stress. And he's saying, well, you know, he's not to deny self or approve or firm self. He's just say this experience that happens, does it cause stress or not? Does it cause needing more? Does it cause trying to find something? Does it cause worrying? regret, sense of loss, uncertainty, does it cause that? Does it cause, you know, pride, acquisitiveness, competition, does it cause that? You know, aren't these stressful? Doesn't it cause some representation that you are something, you could be something else, but you are this? Isn't that stressful? Or you are this and you're trying to find something about it that's worth hanging on to. And bits that you want to clarify and and clear and get rid of. The grubby bits, the twisted bits, the messy bits. Doesn't it it do that, you know? Because it's, it's just a mass of causes and conditions. Some of them maybe we're rather fond of and approve of. And some of them a bit defunctive, defective. If I could only really clean my, get myself together and get rid of those messy, confused bits and have some nice, brighter bits, how do I do that? And this is where the, the, the thing, you know, we miss, we miss the, we miss it, we miss the, we miss the Dhamma quite. It's a near miss because <laughs> it's not a bad idea at all. It's probably the idea that gets us in here, how to tidy, clean my act up a bit, you know, become a better person or a brighter person or realize something. It's not a bad idea, it's a notion. As you get into it, it doesn't quite work that way. You find you're getting to be more, wow, there's a lot of stuff under the lid, you know. <laughs> it's worse than I thought. <laughs> Did I really want to know that much? <laughs> and then the, the you know, the, then the sort of what's being offered looks like it's a bit out of reach. It's an enlightenment factor, samadhi. There you go, there you go, here it is, get on with it. You know, it's a bit far away. And then what really what we experience is, is physical pain, discomfort, 
sleepiness, energy, um, strange moods and emotions coming up. And, you know, and this, this isn't making me a better person, it's just making me, a, you know, confused, <laughs> scrambled. <laughs> yeah. What's the strategy to come out of this, to clear this up, to straighten it out? What's the, what's the thing to do? What should I do? Really just realize we have to operate in terms of truth and right view. The Buddha said there's no, nothing that's so excellent as right view, nothing so irreplaceable as right view. Right view is the understanding what what is experiences, causes and conditions. As we might say, when I say conditions, I mean um, results that we inherit, like the condition of being a body, condition of having a body, the condition of being born of parents, condition of being living in a certain country, receiving cultural influences, the work called vipaka, or the results, that's what we inherit. And causes means What's being also is here are causative factors, that is our intentions, what we're about to do, our motivations, our skillful motivations, our unskillful motivations, our desires, good desires, not such good desires, those things, the actions, that's what's here. So this is what here, the causes and conditions. Right view says there's this, and also says within this, skillful causes can be cultivated, you know, and we look for appropriate conditions in order to cultivate skillful causes. And appropriate conditions can be seen as diverse, you know, like a place, adequate food, you know, these things. But there are two conditions, actually, uh, that are considered uh, the most um, constantly required um, supportive conditions that should be there to to keep this right view there, to keep looking in the right way, to start the path from truth. And these these causes, um, these these factors um, are not just there at the beginning; they they should be there all the time. So you begin to that which gives one affords one this perspective is that which it continues. And there are two of them, and they are. One is called, I've mentioned it before, um, deep attention, yoni somani sikara. Um, attention, the yoni is the origin, the womb. Manasikara is the operating of attention, giving attention. So you say giving attention to the source of things or getting to the point, you know, one might say. It's not just skimming over the surface, but actually, what's this about? What's this mean? What's happening? Getting to the point. And so we, that continual pausing and what's really going on now. Yeah. So the future is now is eagerness, expectation. Oh, that's what's going on. The past now is oh, nostalgia, fondness. That's what's going on. Just naming it, not approving or disapproving, just just saying what's going on. <laughs> yeah, 
And then does this lead to suffering and stress? If it's if it's if I act upon that, what does this do? Yeah, so that's that's a factor of deep attention. The other factor is it the same? <laughs> but it's called spiritual friendship, which means if you forget, somebody else helps you to remember. <laughs> so you've got the external and the internal. There's other people, spiritual friends, admirable teachers, companions, admirable uh, partners, uh, who can say, what's really going on for you? You know, or help you to do that. And then your own, that faculty in yourself. These are seen as the excellent supports for right view. When we contemplate that, you realize, you know, if we're still acting in accordance with right view, then there's no such thing as permanent deep attention. It's a, it's a factor that has to be continually activated because of, if it was a permanent solid factor, it would be a self. If it was independent, it would be a self. But it's not. It's, it's based upon right view yeah, and the continual learning and inclining the mind in that way. So it's a continual activity. There's no such thing as a thing in Buddhism. Everything is a process. Everything is in process. And we're just tuning into and affirming and energizing certain processes. So nothing's automatic. Nothing can really be strategized, finally. We've just got to stay present and in flow and keep activating and energizing you know, in certain ways. Because if you activate and energize in these ways, then you won't be doing it in other ways. That's, that's the simple one simple truth of it. If you keep deep attention, you won't be doing superficial attention, <laughs> which is just, oh, look at that. <laughs> you just get stuck on the surface of things. And, uh, oh, one of those, oh, that'd be nice. You know. you steady, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? And you begin to not keep buying into the sense of time, future, self, uh, things, you know, what they call these vipalasas the other day, the pollutions, the uh, distortions, um, that things can be lasting, this is, cannot be true. That things can be satisfying, this cannot be true. You know, so you just keep, you know, checking these things out, that something could be a self. What? What is that? Hmm? So, really, you know, on the lookout for these and being grateful when others from outside you can get that message that sign so this is how you know the buddha was perhaps unique in that well not unique but unique in what we can know and that he was sort of managed to bring this together himself everybody else is just you know needing sangha, need community, need feedback, need to connect with other people, need to somehow get some uh, stuff going from our outside, from around us, learning from others.
of the Maras, I was mentioning Maras this morning, and I uh, left out the fifth Mara. <laughs> this is uh, karma formations, which means just this is this, uh, the, what we don't see, what we get seduced by, what we identify with is our, putting simple language, our habits, our habitual formations, the habits that we continually engage and the habits that have accumulated, tendencies, the, the habits that have accumulated and the habits we perpetuate. When I say habit, I mean it's something that kind of happens automatically. Yeah, yeah. It, kind of, it kicks in automatically, it's our reaction. So, and this is where the sense of self is, is is built around what seems familiar, what seems what's obvious, what's of course everybody does this. No, they don't. <laughs> That's your karma formation. That's your, you know. I always do this. Uh huh. Isn't it time to just look at that? <laughs> I'm always this way. Really? You must have discovered a new truth. A permanent state of being. <laughs> Check it out, you know. Because with superficial attention, that's the way it seems. And we can keep operating that. You say, well, actually, there are these strong tendencies. There are these strong tendencies. Oh, that's more like it. There are these strong tendencies towards you know, feeling intimidated or feeling doubtful or feeling anxious or feeling I've got all the answers or feeling I need to have all the answers, you know, strong is So when you look at that, this is anxiety, isn't it? Very, very common experience for us in the social world. We want to get it right with other people. We want to feel we're okay with others. So you, you know you begin to look into who you assume yourself to be as a karma formation, and also how the the immediate reaction to that is another karma formation. It's the, the immediate reaction is stop being like that, or go ahead. You know, so we either blindly go ahead, or we tend to blindly try and stop it. Don't be don't be so nervous. Pull yourself together. You know, don't be an angry person. You know, why not? Everybody's, an ang- everybody's angry. Sometime or another, so we just start to check this identification, and this then makes things a lot more. Doesn't mean we're not confused or angry or doubtful or anxious, but there's also we are, and many other things. Surely, uh, we're also joyful. We're also compassionate. We're also friendly. We're also you know, um, aspiring with as good factors too. But we're also just, you know, beginning to recognize that the very fact of making this clear is already a skillful cause and condition happening. It's opening it up. And then the thing that you really need to, to keep uh, aware of is, or checking in with, is a sense of self around it all. Mm-hmm.
in strategizing the future and certainly there's a lot of strategizing in conventional life, organizing, arranging things, tidying things up, making things work. What does it feel like? Quite heavy, isn't it? I noticed, uh, you know, so my Kelly Anamita just don't really do that. It's quite infuriating sometimes. You know, it, you know, someone like Ajahn Chah, Ajahn Liam, say, well, can you give a talk? Well, see if causes and conditions make that happen, that's what will happen. <laughs> you go, yeah, but what am I supposed to tell everybody? <laughs> this can happen or not? Well, you know, tell them life is uncertain. <laughs> And then what you can talk about? Well, we'll see, we'll see whatever arises. So remember that. That's uh, you know often. The, so I remember they, sometimes they asked Ajahn Liam to give a talk in Bangkok. He said, "What do you can talk about?" And he said, well, "I don't know. Whatever arises, I guess." So they called it "Whatever Arises." They <laughs> <laughs> said, well, "What's that about?" <laughs> well, whatever arises is what it's about. <laughs> So it can be very <laughs> challenging in, <laughs> in this conventional world. But then really meditation practice, it's incredibly helpful to just meet what arises rather than I am this kind of person with these sorts of problems, I need to be this kind of person who doesn't have these problems. No, that's not going to really, in the end of the day, going to work. <laughs> it's, too, it's too stuck, it's too rigid, it's too fixed, it's too clunky. You know, you already said you are something. <laughs> Where did that come from? You know, and you said you've got to be something. Where did that come from? You know, and realize just the practice simply is deeply attend, attend deeply to what's arising. And for that means you meet what arises, you attend to it deeply. As, and you bear it in mind, you're mindful of that, you stay with that. You begin to see the changing, the arising of skillful factors, unskillful factors. And the beauty of it is, is that it's a kind of, sort of frustratingly simple model. It's quite innocent. It's light. It's extremely sensitive. It's just like your fingers, tips touching. It's not, well, we're going to wrestle this one out, figure it, you know, sort it. So I'm really going to make a big push here. <laughs> or is it some special angle I'm going to make to get through this thing, get through this thing? Just, you know, meet what arises. And, and the very quality of meeting what arises is already skillful. It's already devoid of um, greed of compulsion, of aversion, of anxiety, of uh, guilt, of inadequacy, of planning, you know, it's devoid of those. It takes a little bit of doing, because often we just keep slipping off, you know, slipping off, I mean, slipping off. So it's the patience to not, well, I've got to get back there and stick it together, you know. <laughs> 
I just try to get that. That's why it is, you know, it's, it's just meet. Can you meet it? Because hmm? in the when the, the voiding or the the the, the non-arising of self-view, I've got to be something. The non-arising of the desperation, the calculation, the anxiety, the strategizing, the non-arising of that density and intensity, the light, the heart is naturally light, the heart is sensitive, there's attunement, there's receptivity, there's intelligence, it's, it's there, just like in your fingertips, you know, it's just like that, how incredibly sensitive they are. And you're trying to figure out how to pick up that glass, you go, okay, glass, fingers, right, uh, let's have a look. I think, head north in for about three inches, <laughs> then hang a right, kite from behind, you know, move, open up, open, 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 yield, yield. Right, focus, be mindful now, be really mindful. We get to a serious point, you know, and then get that glass, don't crush it, be careful. <laughs> you know, and they say, just pick the glass up, will you, you know, already? And it... <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> of course, sometimes, you know, you knock it over and miss it, but really trying to just sort of say, okay, just mess it, pick, you know, wipe it up, start again. You know, again. Just trying to get that quality, meet what rises. Because then it's, I can do it with that kind of glass, but I don't know if I can do it with those fat glasses. You know? <laughs> I'm only good at this kind of glass. <laughs> can't do it with china, can't do it with plastic, only that kind of glass. I've got that one figured out now. New, new, system, new system for the other one. <laughs> so, you know, if you get there, and listen in, touch it, be with that, meet that. And how hard should I pull to get it up? How much effort's needed? Is it a lot of effort? Depends how heavy it is. How are you going to know how heavy it is? Is it, you know, three ounces, five ounces, eight ounces? How much do I need? Put your hand on it and start pulling. <laughs> so we, we're listening, we're attending very deeply to that. Hmm? Yeah, that process. Yeah. So with that, actually, there isn't this, this kind of heavy self has got to get it right and made a mistake yesterday and keeps knocking glasses over isn't there you know and that was the main problem really you could just learn to live like that lifting up and just really the beauty of that and now you can put it down quite gently and carefully so it doesn't make a lot of noise and that was a lovely thing to do <laughs> Just as a thing, you know. There's a lot you can learn of doing that. Most people just pick glasses up and bang it down, crash around and so forth. But now you're just taking something like that and feeling what happens when you're sensitive and there's a calming and a willingness and feel it out. It's lovely. Hmm? Meet what arises. Now, you know, what arises isn't always glasses, is it? <laughs> it's 
sometimes it's this kind of painful memory. Things I wish I hadn't done. Regret, guilt, fear, thinking that I'm a stained person, messed up, da, da, da. How do you mean that? Well, that story is a saying, you know, you try to crunch that down to the, what's the one bit, one bit to touch, one point to touch. Is it the whole story, which is now gone, surely? The events have now passed. The one piece is now remorse, that sad rubbing in the heart. So um, I can't really go back and fix things. I can't, there's no point in just keep recriminating, punishing myself a bit harder to get it out. It doesn't get it out either. If we just kind of take it down to a sense of remorse, a difficult feeling, just touch that. Bear with it. Let it speak. Listen. That's it. And just to keep avoiding or recognize that tendency to get flustered, clench, beat, beat oneself, you know, or move somewhere else, get away from this uncomfortable feeling. It is uncomfortable, but you can touch it. And already that is compassion. Just that is compassion. Just touching it is compassion. Because on that, there's not that terrible layer around it of guilt, fear, defense, you know, how can I get this thing out of my life? You know, how can I, we try and get it out of our life by blame somebody, blame, well, blame myself, maybe that'll get it out, or blame conditions or blame somebody or something like that. You know, we, we try and find some way to strategize so that we can shove that thing out. And then, but we're not trying to shove it out, actually. It sounds like the right thing to do, but it doesn't work. And so what's needed is all that quality. You see, there is nobody there in that painful memory. There's nobody really there. The people we've hurt are not there. The thing we did is not there. The person who did it is not there. <laughs> are they? What's there is this contracted experience of feeling. It's just pulsing and throbbing and sitting there. That's there. What it needs is to, we say we're talking about release actually. Release. And, you know, again, just to, just to kind of tease that out a bit, release, letting go, <coughs> let go of that painful thought. How can I let go of this painful thought? <coughs> it doesn't happen. Because that, although the language sounds accurate, it's still, it's really the same strategy. How do I get rid of this thing? Dump it. Where's the place I can dump it? It's the same strategy with different language on it. It's an understandable strategy. 
see, meeting, we're not trying to get rid of anything or let go of anything or release anything or analyse anything, understand anything, come to terms with anything, be nice about anything, figure it out, sort it out, blame, forgive everybody. No, you're just going to meet it and touch it. And that is it. Because in that, the more naked and the more pure, just the, the simple that quality of touch is, what occurs is a connection straight to the heart. Straight to the heart, and it happens by itself, just like the hand knows how to pick that glass up by itself. The heart experiences that pain, opens, lets it through, and moves, and it passes. Things are asking to be released. If we could only please get out of the way with all your great ideas and (laughs) (laughs) so just you know being but then taking this time to just locate some of these there's so much stuff that can be happening that again the yonisom nisikara deep attention is just to say well and all this swirling, da 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 is the one way, is there something that's most important in all this, you know? Is there one thing that could sum up the real bit here? And that's, you know, that's circumstance. The, the real bit is what, you know? It could be feeling overwhelmed, too much going on, just feel overwhelmed, cooked. Okay, that's, well, that's not a bad place to start. Let's just come to that and meet that as it happens, meet that as it arises. So sometimes we don't want to get too far into all the details, but just to the first felt sense, just feeling can't manage this, overwhelmed, cooked. And I imagine at times it is like that. So just meet that. You feel that overwhelmed, cooked, probably as you meet it, probably microbial change into Oh, tired. Oof. Oh, sad. Tired, sad. Oof. And then it starts to move. Mm. And things generally change from one thing to another. But really, what, what, as I experience, what occurs in that process, and the thing might change from feeling overwhelmed to feeling angry, feeling disappointed, feeling sad. The bottom line of it, what occurs, is it really the message comes through, the connection is fully made, this quality of compassion arises by itself. Something rather sweet happens. This is the essence of the noble truths. It's right in the, you know, there's a lot more that could be said. That's right, the turning point. We meet the suffering. And there's that giving up of the craving to be something, the craving to get rid of something, the craving to be somebody who doesn't have this, the craving to to push it away. As they just stop doing that, the meeting, and there's that. Then there is the letting go. But I don't let go. There is the letting go happens. This is the essence. And the Buddha said, actually, this is so precious that 
the joy that arises from this, even though this is really seems to be about the most difficult, sometimes uncomfortable experience you could have, the one that's been nagging at you for years that you really didn't want to be with at all, that you feel doomed by, <laughs> fatally flawed by. <laughs> you know, if you turn and touch it, it's like a, one of those, um, you know, a dream, a nightmare that can pop. And the joy that arises with that, and the release that arises with that, is so outweighs the amount of suffering you've had that you'll want to do it again. <laughs> sure it's uncomfortable, but the, the joy and the release and the openness and the clarity that comes from that is, is feels so right, so beautiful, so sense, so sane, that you want to do some more of it. You want to say, oh, let's take another bit, you know. Let's touch something else here. This is how it goes. It's not the whole thing falls apart, but these pieces and something, you know, sort of comes, it comes in, you know, the objects present themselves. I trust that, you know. Rather than, you know, the, the kind of particular pieces seem to come by themselves. So it's meeting my stubbornness pretty early on. <laughs> Didn't get into to really heavy craving for a little while. First thing is just meeting the despair was the first thing. For me, it's just coming, meeting despair. Meeting this kind of black sinking pit of despair. Of, uh, you know, because of causes and conditions in life. And that happened, you know, much before I really got into any kind of real passionate desires. It was just this terrible, lonely, black pit. Mm. So we could very well think, you know, what we need to do, what we need to meet, but actually it takes care of itself. It says, this is the piece, the first piece that, that's going to happen, that's going to come for you. And you just have to trust the process. Because there's something about this, you know, though it's not self, there's something about karma, about karma formations that are very specific. Yeah. It doesn't, when you say not self, it means it's not an enduring personality. But, but there's definitely strong karmic currents. And the ones that are specific, both in their quality and even in their timing, that, that's, that's the piece we have to deal with. However, embarrassing or silly it may be like could I please deal with doubt now I don't want despair I'm going to deal with doubt nope you're having despair <laughs> I came on retreat to clear my you know cravings and the cravings aren't happening what's happening is you know dullness instead dang it I wanted to deal with craving now I've got dullness it's sort of just what arises that's why you know there's a humility to it we don't know really yeah. don't know what to say, don't know what to practice, don't know what to do, just just meet, just get here and meet it, and uh, using these forms. So it's very specific, and you know, that makes it interesting and alive, not really something you can strategize. But we can say there are certain 
consistent factors that everyone needs to, whatever the karma is, whatever the mara is that, that are needed, you could say right view is needed, you know, understanding causes and conditions, uh, deep attention is needed, really looking into the experience we're having, uh, spiritual support is needed, mm. really getting some teachings, some encouragement. Mm. Mm. Then you then you can obviously generate your list. Mindfulness is needed, so we need da, 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 da. One, just remember one thing that's needed. One <laughs> another one is patience, commitment. You know, commitment, patience. Really try to stay with it as best you can. You know, it's not best you can do. Just don't miss out on yourself. You know, don't miss out on yourself by. Yeah, I can't be bothered today. You know, really making a commitment, not from some kind of obedience sense. You've got to do this every day, but just uh, the time is precious. Time is running out. Time is precious. You know, uh, attend, attend to something. If you attend to it, you try and work around it. How are you going to get this one? What are you going to do? You know, how are you going to meet this one? This is really interesting. You know, get ingenious. Look into it. Mm. So that we can use these uh, commitments, that commitment to your process, and so using these commitments, these resolutions, these intentionalities, some of these skillful means that are presented. You, know, you must have heard so many, and there's so many wonderful teachings available now. Yeah. So I just offer this one. Really, meet. Learn to meet what arises. It will surprise you. And the, the agility that you'll gain with that will be for your long-lasting welfare and benefit. Mm.